welcome to the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, the podcast that follows three integral recovery practitioners on the journey of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Join us and our trailblazing guests as we apply the principles of integral recovery, daily practice, and the aqua map to transcend limitations, accelerate growth, and heal ourselves and hopefully the world. And now here are John Dupuy, Dr. Bob Weathers, and I'm Doug Prater with the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, episode number one, What is Integral Recovery? Well, good morning, good evening, good day, good night, goodbye. Now, where you are on the planet, uh, in whatever time zone or whatever continent, this is the number one initial, the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. And this is a vision and dream that's taken a while to get going, and I'm very excited. And let me introduce myself. I'm John Dupuy, and I am the author of Integral Recovery, a revolutionary guide. Um, let me read it, my goodness. A revolutionary approach to the treatment of alcoholism and addiction. And it won uh, the 2013 Best Book Award for, uh, in the subject of health and recovery. And I have with me Dr. Bob Weathers. Hi there, and John. he is a, uh, a colleague for how many years now? It's been a while, Bob. It's been uh, five years. Five years, John. Can you believe that? <laughs> and Bob is an extraordinary educator and a teacher and a spiritual practitioner and recovery expert from first, second, and third uh, person perspectives, and we'll get into that later. And down in the bottom, at least on my screen, is Doug Prater. And Doug is a brilliant young man who actually made this whole thing possible because he brought with him the technical skill sets to actually do this thing. And uh, apparently, if you know what you're doing, it's not that big a deal, but I didn't, so it is a big deal. And not only that, um, Doug and I... He wrote me an email some months ago about IOH stuff, and I can't remember the email was all about. Uh, we both got our bachelor's from the same university in, in Texas, Texas State, and that was kind of cool. But it was really just a great email. And I said, you know, I'd have to write a book to answer all this stuff or to respond. And so I said, why don't we talk? And then we, um, we started talking, and we said, this is amazing. Why don't we talk every week? And so we started meeting and just chatting about our life, our practice, our issues. And then at one point I got the, I was meditating in the morning and got the thing, you know, it's time to really start getting this stuff out and communicating it. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, you've been given a lot of really cool stuff, but if you just sit on it, you're not going to do so well. And, and I quote this, um, uh, this quote a lot, but it's from, it's from the, the gospel of Thomas. And that was this gospel that was found in 1945, I believe in the Egyptian desert, Nakamadi near the village of Nakamadi part of the Nakamadi Scrolls, our uh, library. And this is a really cool uh, gospel. And a lot of the, the, the archaeologists say that it's probably older than Mark, which is considered to be the oldest book in the canonical gospels Matthew Mark has done. Anyway, and it's just a bunch of quotes. And they're koans, and most of them are non-dual. And there's no story, there's no narrative, besides Peter saying some stupid stuff occasionally. They said, you know, that he gets in there. But maybe it's just Jesus talking. And in this one verse, uh, Jesus said, if you keep that which is inside of you, inside of you, it will kill you. But if you bring it forth, it will bring you life. Mm. And I think that's just amazing. And so this, um, this podcast is a response to that call that if we just keep this stuff inside of us, it's just going to fester and get us depressed and, and make us sad. But if we share it with you guys, good things are going to happen and the flow is going to get going and the rest is in yours and ours and God's hand, right? So that's why we're doing this. And so I, I was kind of praying about, okay, I need, we need a producer here, and I'm going to send it out to my list, what kind of skill sets. And again, the intuitive voice went, 
Doug, stupid. Oh, wow. And uh, I talked to Doug and it just turned out that this guy, he just had it nailed. Uh, not only as, as a man behind the uh, switchboard and the computers and all this stuff, but as a, as a co-participant in this journey and in this exploration of integral recovery. So who would like to start off and uh, introduce themselves and say hi? Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys so much for the introduction. And I am just honored and delighted to be a part of this. That, uh, John, you, you thought of me when you were looking to move forward with this. It is such a perfect opportunity to present this message and this gift of not only recovery, but integral practice and, and daily work in the way that we are doing here. And I think that there's so much to share and I'm really glad to be here and doing this and sharing this message with uh, everybody out there listening, hoping that um, it will benefit you in the same way that it has benefited me and just transformed my life. Um, I kind of had figured out a lot of these things uh, on my own before John and I started talking and would have just recovered so much more quickly and so much more effectively and continued to grow beyond that if I had known all of this stuff years ago. Hopefully, those of you listening will benefit from the experience and the wisdom that John and Bob and myself uh, hopefully have to offer you. And we'll be able to, to share in that journey and grow and really live the best possible life uh, with with this gift that we've all been given through sharing this. Awesome. I have been practicing meditation and other components of integral theory and integral practice for some years before I knew them as such. And that was what John and I initially started talking about, along with several other things that I'm sure we'll get into later in the podcast series and in some other upcoming projects that we will be happy to tell you about when the time is right for that. But uh, when I learned that not only was John doing all those things, but also had written this book on recovery, I knew that he was somebody that I had to talk to. When he learned that I had experience as well with addiction and recovery, in addition to all these other things, all the pieces came together. And here we are today sharing it with you. Awesome. Thank you, And Dr. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Doug and, and John. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm thinking that I want to share just a, a, a brief version of my story. It's all, uh, it's all uh, backwards and forwards and everything else. John, you know this, and, and Doug, you might know this too. I started graduate school uh, um, almost 40 years ago, and it was at exactly the same time that Ken Wilber began publishing his first writing, Spectrum of Consciousness and No Boundary and so on. And John, you know this, is that, that uh, uh, my undergraduate degrees were both in psychology and religious studies. And so it was a marriage made in heaven for me to be studying Ken Wilber as I went through graduate school in, in uh, clinical psychology. Uh, I corresponded with Ken and uh, he was formative. I, I, not just formative, I mean, absolutely central to my doctoral dissertation, which was uh, on Buddhist meditation. I did that at a Christian seminary, uh, which is an unusual mix, but so be it. That's the way life goes. I continued uh, from graduate school into teaching uh, uh, in graduate school. I was teaching uh, psychologists and therapists uh, here in Southern California, and Ken's writings were instrumental to my teaching. And so 
Uh, early on, they were just implicit in my teaching. There wasn't a course that I taught. It wouldn't matter if it was on counseling theory or psychopathology or the history of psychology. It didn't matter. Ken's uh, influence, he just, his stamp was on everything that I taught and the way that I thought, the way that I did therapy and counseling. And, uh, and then eventually I made that explicit. I right, right about the time that sex ecology came out and uh, uh, Marriage of Sense and Soul, I began uh, making these required textbooks in my courses. And for a lot of students, this was really uh, a major epiphany for them as it had been for me. So I felt really grateful to be given that opportunity. Now, as fate would have it, I moved from academics for, uh, uh, into the private sector and began working at uh, uh, drug rehabs here in Southern California, as well as in my clinical practice, working with clients dealing with addiction. And this was um, about uh, 15 uh, years ago or so. It was clear to me that Ken's model would apply itself really fruitfully to, um, I think it's particularly of his uh, aqua model, um, that MAP would really apply itself well to working with um, drug and alcohol addiction. I presented this to the people I worked with. <laughs> they just stared at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> So it kind of just stayed there. And uh, that wasn't enough for me. I had to become addicted myself. And so in midlife, I actually uh, encountered a serious problem and a worsening problem with both drug and alcohol addiction, entered into my own treatment, entered into my own recovery. And it was at this time that I encountered John. First of all, I found some of your articles, John. There were like two articles in the whole world on (laughs) addressing an integral perspective on addiction. And you were one of the authors. This is before your book came out. I reached out to you, John, because um, uh, it had always made sense to me intellectually and academically. And now it was on a much more personal level. We began being in correspondence. Your book came out. And the rest is really history. The last five years have been uh, a close uh, friendship with you, John. Uh, Deep, deep gratitude. There's no way to even say it for both you and Pam being in my life. And uh, you've, you've been with me across the entire arc of my sobriety and uh, uh, deepening recovery. And it's completely informed by our relationship, John. So as my brother, uh, there's no, no words <laughs> to express the, the deep gratitude I have for you and for Pam and for Lucy. I have to put in Lucy. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lucy's my beloved pooch. Yeah, yeah she, she's the dog you see on, on the, uh, the podcast logo. Yeah, uh. right on, Lucy. <laughs> so that brings, that brings us up to now. And so uh, just for an update, I've been in academics and psychology, just in my primary occupation in psychology for the last 30, 35 years. And uh, the last 10 years, I've been in online education. And so I've moved from teaching psychologists and therapists in a local way to where now I've been working in an online university. I work at California Southern University here in um, Orange County, and we train psychologists, John, you know this, and therapists all over the planet. Every year we have our graduation at UC Irvine at Berkeley Theater, and we have students graduating literally from West Africa, Vietnam, yeah. uh, Northern Europe, South America. It's really, really cool, very gratifying. And so it was a marriage made in heaven for me to take it to the next level, meeting you, John, and here we are doing podcasts, taking what I had done on a local level, teaching integral theory, applying it personally to my own recovery, and it's been instrumental in my own recovery, and now then bringing us to a larger audience through Integral Recovery Institute. So I'm gratified to be with you. Doug, your skill set is perfectly complementary to everything I don't know. And so it's really, it's really great. I'm glad to be here. I really kind of bow to you, John, for, for setting the tone, uh, being the pioneer in this whole field. And I'm, I'm a mere acolyte, but I'm very honored to be here with you. Well, you know Acolytes in this field are um, the masters because <laughs> it's a new emerging field, you know. So yeah. if you want to be, you want to lead the way, jump on the horse early. Yeah. 
Happy to yeah, be. let me a little bit about how uh, integral recovery came into being for my my part. I had been with my wife Pam. Uh, we were both trained uh, as therapists at JFK University in the Bay Area. Transpersonal psychology, um, uh, spirituality has always been a, a big part of my life. So we talk about spiritual stuff here. That's you know, that's just me. That's what I do. Uh, I called myself a haunted mystic for many years. I'd have these experiences, and, and then they'd go away, and I'd be left with. Oh my gosh, I saw this, you know, deeper thing. And now here I am, my little old messed up self still. Well, how do you, you know, how do you, what do you do with that? So make a longer story longer. We moved out uh, from the Bay Area after a number of years and some very, you know, very powerful learning experiences and living in, the, in San Francisco and that area for about eight years of very formative uh, times. And it was just the city got to be too much. And I went to visit a friend in Southern Utah, fell in love with the land, drug Pam out there the next time I went, and she fell in love with it also. So we spent a couple of years getting our, our, our stuff to uh, wrapped up, and we got, bought this old beater pickup. It must have looked like the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, you know, driving across Nevada into to Utah. And we stuck ourselves in storage in Moab and spent about six months wandering and yandering in yeah, Southern Utah wilderness. Unbelievable. Uh, hiking, and I was vision questing and learning about animals and the plant and uh, Anasazi and, and Fremont Indians and all the, the stuff that was going on there. Absolutely, if you haven't been there, uh, stay home. No, come and see it. It's it's really it's amazing. So um, uh, at a certain point, we found out we had a conversation with a gentleman who said, you know, given your guys' background, educational, and your your passion for wilderness, you know that in Wayne County. There's these therapeutic wilderness programs for taking young people out who are having problems out in the wilderness. And he said, well, at that point, the, uh, the bank account, as it were, was uh, shrinking down to like, now what? Uh, and so we went and we were just because of who we were and we smelled like smoke and we looked like a wilderness guide and all we knew about, you know, psychology and therapy. Whatnot. We were hired on the spot. And uh, Pam became a clinical director. Uh, she was, you know, the head shrink uh, of, of the programs and very, very brilliant therapist and very respected in the field, not just in our program, but throughout the uh, industry. And I was a guy, you know, I couldn't stand the paperwork and I never even thought I was that good at therapy, but I could lead people in the wilderness. And my idea was, even if I'm stupid, the wilderness is not. And, you know, these guys are going to, things are going to, good things are going to happen, which, which they did. And after a while, I began to notice that it's very obvious, but most of the young people who were there were there because of drugs and alcohol, about 85% either were addicted or abusing or having problems with it. And that was the presenting problem that got out there, got them out there. So I went through a whole series of events, including uh, my brother committing suicide in, in our house in Loa, Utah. They've been depressed for years. And just it's, I, I'm not getting that whole long story, but I was very crushed. And I had suffered somewhat from depression before, but uh, the, uh, the, the stressors and the, and the precipitating events just kicked me into a huge uh, four-year uh, horrible cycle of depression. And, um, you know, for those of you who don't know what that's like, I, I often say it's not whether you can get up and go to work in the morning. It's whether you can get up and, and uh, take a shower, you know. It's that bad. It's that crushing. And uh, my particular version, uh, which is, if you read uh, William Siren's book, brilliant book, uh, yeah. A Garden Made Visible, That's totally the same pattern. I'd have the mornings okay, and then around noon, man, I would sink into this deep, deep pit of despair and hell. I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't 
be in the light. I couldn't pray. I couldn't watch TV. I just had to sit there. And this thing would lift as the sun started going down. And just every day, this dread, knowing I was going to that dark place. And I wanted to kill myself big time. Okay, suicide was, was right there. And I just wouldn't do it because I saw what suicide did to me and to my family. And I just, you know, God, please take me, but I can't do it myself. So um, eventually I started, you know, I started meditating. I was exercising in the morning while I could, going to therapy, trying to get myself well. And I was given the opportunity to start a new program for adults, which I had pitched before. And uh, so we got this program together called Passages to Recovery, which was 18 and over, people suffering from alcoholism and, and addiction. So I got it going. It was basically my vision was support of Pam and, and uh, Gil Hollows and, and the company that was there. We kind of piggybacked off of um, Aspen Achievement Academy. And I gathered a team together and about, uh, it was about seven never-do-wells from, from New Jersey, you know, thugs and criminals and addicts and beautiful, you know, lost souls all together. And we went out into the San Rafael wilderness for, you know, for a month in the middle of winter. We started on like January 4th. First night out there, hit by a blizzard, you know, and I was like, you know, why did we start this in January? <laughs> anyway, so we had um, a guy that had hired, like, who's my, ther- my, my recovery expert, and he, like, severely sprained his ankle on the, like, the third day out. So he's out of the program. And so basically, it, I, I, I had to shape myself into a, a, a recovery expert. Okay. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not an addict. That was not my thing. Depression was my disease, which is, you know, goes fist in glove or hand in glove with, with, um, uh, a lot of addiction. And so I started having to try to figure this stuff out. And I, and one of my, my main teachers, of course, were my students. And when you're out there in the wilderness together, you know, you light the fire at night and you sit around and we had everybody tell their story. And so I would just listen and ask questions and listen. And, you know, and I've been to a lot of AA meetings in my, my work before, but there's something about once you're traveling in the wilderness and you're really getting close and you know these people and you get up and, and you, you know, make food together, travel to the wilderness, set up your shelters, sleep under the stars, wake up to the blizzard or whatever is going on, that there's a real connection and real honesty develops. And so I just listened and listened and listened. And so... Uh, and a lot of my teachings, my former students, and I, you know, I talk about it, and, and people know. I mean, addicts know that I've listened deeply, and I have some understanding of what's going on. So that they became my my, my major teachers. And I was like, twelve steps is great, but you know, what about exercise? And what about you know, not smoking cigarettes? And what about uh, you know, about meditation? You know, it's there in 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 step eleven, but nobody seems to do it very much. So I started puzzling on this, and I came across Ken Wilber. And for you guys who have never heard of Ken Wilber. You're going to hear about him some more if you keep listening. But he is a, a thinker, a philosopher, integral thinker of the likes of which the planet has seldom seen and has, has been doing work since I was in grad school where I read his first works back in, I guess it was in the late 80s and early 90s. But anyway, so I kind of lost touch with him because he went through his own adventure and his wife developed uh, breast cancer and the process of her getting ill and dying kind of took him out of his work. Then he came back. With a uh, with a passion and, and a vision, as if like a supernova lighting up our universe, and he came up with this idea. And I, I found this um, article online, a forty-page PDF file called "What Is Aqual or "What Is Integral" or something like that. And I read it, and I was like, "And it's time." I was trying. I knew that that what was passing as treatment, even in my own program, was didn't seem to be adequate uh, as well. You know, as good as it was, and it was a good program. 
it didn't seem enough. And I started reading this and it's just like you, Bob, I just started to think, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. The lights started going off. I went, oh my God, yeah. this is awesome. It's like the Rosetta stuff. You know, this is, yeah. everything is like, everything needs to be there is there. And I just had this kind of, you know, intellectual illumination where I saw it all. So I got on the, they had this thing in Boulder, Colorado called the Interpol Institute at the time. And I got on the forum and called them and, and they were like, oh, we're really busy right now. And I was like, Oh, they're so busy. They're doing such. I wouldn't even offend it. I was in such a, a state of just. Uh, <laughs> so I started, you know, uh, googling online and trying to find out who was doing this because to me it was like so obvious that this was so important for for addiction and and recovery, and I couldn't buy anything, and uh, so it was like, uh oh, you mean am I supposed to do this? So it was. It, it was a sign, a, yeah, like a sobering realization, you know, pun intended. And I, uh, I wrote a couple of papers that got noticed and the word got around and people started contacting me, um, you know, people that were big in the integral world. And I started being known as the integral recovery guy. And wow. And at a certain point, again, the intuitive voice says, write the book. And I said, OK, God, you write the book. And he did. No. And, <laughs> and I'd written a 38, a 38 page paper about it, you know, which is like, hey, man, I pretty much laid it out there. I don't know if I have anything else to say. I think I said it all. And if you guys, you, uh, you're both writers, so you know that feeling like, have I said everything, is anything going to come through? So um, in the meantime, I had uh, been putting this program together to help my beloved addicts. And I'm like just trying to you know, hold on by my fingernails to stay out of my own depressive pit. And uh, I started the idea of integral practice. And that's also something that started with Michael Murphy and George Leonard at the Esalen Institute. And it was grabbed on by Ken Wilbur. And just, you know, every time he grabs an idea, he takes it, and, you know, fills it out and illuminates it, makes it really good. But the basic idea is that you have four chief aspects to, to yourself that you need to work on continually for the rest of your life if you're going to be a, an integrated, holistically healthy, happy, authentically flowing, going, purpose-driven, ethical, spiritual, compassionate, wise, courageous human being. And this is the deal. You got to work your body. Okay. So that means you got to work out. You got to be a warrior, you know, in the gym or on the field or however you do your exercise, but really pushing yourself to that 10 every day where you're sweating. You know, you're like beyond just, you really get intense with it. And you have to watch your diet. And it includes, you know, stretching, yoga, strength training, cardio, all that. And it's a whole huge field, but that's um, the body. Then the mind, you know, you have to enlighten the mind. You know, we have this thing, garbage in, garbage out. You know, you sit around and watch stupid things on television and or read stupid things or listen, you know, your mind just gets deadened. So, but there's so much great stuff out there. So you, you work on your intellectual capacity to, to, you know, act in your own life, but think in, in big terms. And you just, anyway, um, you, you just get, the mind is smart. The intellect is not the enemy. Only if we if we treat it poorly, it can become a tool of of enlightenment and gifting the world if we work with. It. So you got to work on that too. And the the third part of that is your emotional health. Okay, so that means your trauma, your past stuff. And we, you know, uh, uh, Stan Groff and his folks said that just the awful, bloody process of being born is enough to traumatize the hell of a uh, hell out of us. You know, that's just you know you're in your mom's womb. It's all kind of good, and all of a sudden, you know, you're out in the world. Yikes. And of course, most of us had, I don't know, who had perfect parents? No, mine were probably, you know, um, as good as, you know, they 
can get. I mean, you know, they they were very patient with me and and they were very kind. But still, I developed my own my own stuff. And so you developed, you know, your traumas, whether you went to Afghanistan or Iraq and, you know, your buddy got blown away or you were, you know, got hurt or your dad was a drunk or there was just negative messages at home. You were bullied at school. What? Whatever the deal is, you know, you grew up gay in a straight world and that was taken out on you. Whatever that stuff is, you have to work through that because as a survival um, tool, we don't know how to deal with that most of the time. And so we split it off. We put it in the unconscious because we want to keep functioning and not be overwhelmed. And that's probably good in the short term. But then that begins to grow in the basement and causes depression and anxiety and somatic diseases and can lead to addiction and, and all this stuff. So you have to do that work. And the, the fourth and last but not least is have an ongoing spiritual practice. So um, the, the, the third, the kind of the, the, the trauma and the emotional stuff is kind of um, getting the ego uh, healthy and, and working through our stuff and getting it a place where we understand how to deal with feelings and emotions and what that is. And then the, the fourth part is an ongoing, uh, really transcendent contemplative inner practice where you, beyond dogma, beyond religion, beyond this, a personal experience of the divine, the ground of being, God's spirit, all the language is acceptable in my book, uh, that great mystery that, that all the great mystics says that's in us. So we developed actually practices of how to work on that on a daily basis, those four basic things, which seems like a lot, and it kind of is a lot, but it's not as hard as it might think once you get into the groove of it. And of course, the, the payback is so fantastic that it moves the whole integral recovery thing from be, just merely being stop taking drugs because you're going to die and you're going to kill yourself and wreck, you know, everything around you uh, to well, let's become the best possible versions of ourselves as flawed as we are. And you know, we'll still just rock the world and illuminate our lives and know that we found the reason we were born and we're doing the stuff we're supposed to be doing. So that practice that I was trying to devise for my students and we'll, talk about this a lot in, in the programs that came, became the actual vehicle of my own healing. So I was there, you know, I was like, you guys need to do this to get sober, blah, blah. And then again, you know, when you point the finger, there's three coming back at you, you know, and I was like, oh, crap. And so I started doing this stuff and I, I started uh, experimenting with uh, binaural brain entrainment technology, binaural beats. And I, I'd heard Ken Wilbur and um, Bill Harris talking about it on a, and, and uh, online at uh, uh, integralnaked.org was a website at the time. Might still be there. I don't know. But, um, um, and I said, finally, I put my nickel down and I, and I took it and I started listening. And I'd been studying transpersonal psychology. I knew about yoga, the importance of prayer and meditation. And I had this on and off and gone again relationship with meditation. I couldn't stick with it. So I started doing this stuff. And immediately in the first few days, and this tremendous spiritual opening, you know, it's just non duality. Everything, thou art that, everything is God, everything is perfect, everything is just, you know, the ground of being that radiates through everything, and me too, and you. I was like, holy cow. And I'd read enough about the, the, um, the, the history the, of, of spirituality and altered states and enlightenment experiences and peak experience in Maslow's words to know I wasn't going crazy, but this was actually a legitimate experience. And then... It, that kind of just expanded this kind of inner context where I could observe the stuff that was coming up. And then I went through about nine months of powerful releasing somatically of, of all the trauma that was keeping me ill and keeping me depressed 
and keeping me wanting to kill myself off and on, you know, 50% of the time. Crazy. And uh, the, just the loss of energy with depression. And I didn't have depression with anxiety, which is like, if you've seen people, my face would just be sunken and it was just eyes dead and horror. And that, and, and it was, it was scary because stuff was coming up and I would get through a, a level of it and I, and it would release in my body. And I was like, oh, thank you. Jesus. Anyway. And then under, under, uh, then it would be like, there's a whole nother level. It was just beginning the journey. So I went down and down. And, uh, and at some point I, I started tapping in, it's not only about my suffering, but tapping, tapping into the suffering of all beings and being, being able to hold that and this expanded consciousness brought on by this, 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 um, this meditation technology. So that became my path, a very personal path. Integral recovery became the path that saved my life. And also, you know, working with my students began to, to transform their lives and transform the, the whole idea of, of, um, of recovery and, and treatment and addiction into a whole new level of understanding what it is and understanding what has to be done. And that's what the, the aqua map of, uh, which stands for all quadrants, all lines, all levels, and all types, which we'll elucidate uh, as we go on, uh, became the map and the practice, the map that, that, that showed us the, the, the territory that, that had to be covered, that we had to traverse, and the practice became the way we actually did that. So that became um, the beginnings of so many things for myself, and it led me to uh, my wife and Eric Thompson starting Iowake Technologies, which is using uh, and advancing the, the uh, technologies of, of meditative practices and continuing to work with people. And for years, we had our house filled up with addicts would come and stay with us and work with us and, and uh, you know, going and teaching and, and doing the work that I do in the world. So, yeah, so that's kind of, I, I hope that was somewhat uh, uh, illuminating what we're talking about here. That's great, John. John, you have seen, and certainly uh, Bob and I have lived, that addiction is anything but simple. It, it affects all those dimensions that you talked about, every component of the Aqua map and all those four components of practice too that uh, interplay with and, and work with one another and a recovery methodology that doesn't address all four of those things and the way they work together is not going to be as complete as it could be. Wherever the hole is, it's going to come back and bite you unless you are taking daily steps to work on all these dimensions. They, the, the exercise, which affects you know, not only the disease of the body and the harm caused by alcohol and addiction or, or whatever your particular disease may be, it's, um, it affects the way your brain works, which affects your ability to think about things and deal with and process your emotions, which affects your connection with spirit and strengthening that connection with spirit will, again, generate a bunch of physical uh, positive neurotransmitters and, and chemicals and connections that help you process those things and get back uh, where you need to be in the other dimensions of your life. So having lived that and having studied the aqua map was really transformational for me too in terms of putting all this together and continuing to move forward uh, with a life that is just so far removed from where I was in the depths of my disease that I couldn't have imagined it on my best days. Yeah. And yeah. I'm grateful that you're here and explaining all this in the way that you are. Yeah, well, you, well and, you know, in, in the book, I say this is not, you know, the book is not the, the last word on integral recovery. You know, I went to Mount Sinai, the dude laid it all out and you got to do this. You know, this it's uh, the whole structure is an evolutionary structure. 
And the more we learn and the more we practice and the more we share with each other and the more science comes online or all the breakthroughs are going through in the world right now, the, the, the more beautiful, the more functional and the more effective the model will be. And, you know, we're so dialed into evolutionary technology, right? It's like, you know, I have, a, I have an iPhone. It's like three years old. It's a, it's a 5S. It's like, dude, a 5S? <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you even, you know, how do you even handle that? I, I don't know. I feel really bad about it and I'm pretty ashamed. You know? <laughs> I, need, I need at least a, you know, a six S or a seven and a, holy cow, eight's coming, you know? So everybody were, were dialed into this and I was talking, uh, we're doing this series of, of interviews and uh, spiritual technologies 2.0 summit. And we're talking about, you know, you see these movies in the 1990s and they, they have a, um, a mobile phone and it looks like a shoebox, you know, and this, they're, you know, they're in a Jaguar supposed to be this really cool elite thing. They're talking to this huge thing on their ear. And the only thing that thing does is make phone calls. And it's like that big. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like, my damn phone does, you know, it does as many things as I want it to do. You know, I mean, millions, a hundred thousand million things you can do with, you know, depending on the apps and, and everything. So, Anyway, so I think we're we're really uh, used to things evolving as they should. We're in in an uh, area of of really fast growth in so many areas of human experience, and we need. To, however, we need to also ground that in the eternal verities, you know. And I think you know, getting back to AA and twelve steps, they've done they've really done uh, a good job, you know, bringing it back to you know basic service and humility and fixing your messes and cleaning your inner self up. And there's so much good stuff that we that we build on and include as a part of integral recovery. However, we're also taking it and trying to ride this wave of the next wave of human evolution, which some people call um, uh, integral. Uh, there's, there's different developmental models. Sometimes it's called second tier, and that's a whole other conversation. Hey, you guys, join in. Please interrupt me because, yeah, you know, yeah. the river goes and flows here. Let me let me uh, let me uh, uh, toss in something. Doug, I'm uh, in some ways responding to you, and also wanting to kind of thicken the plot a bit here. Um, here's a is a piece for me, and John, you address this, but I'd like to talk into this with both of you. Is that I have the peculiar fate of having practiced integrally informed practice for probably 20 years before I got into addiction, and so I was really committed, and it was very much informed by Ken's writings and. Even even before he developed the Aquil map, it was so informed because he always had a holistic orientation. I can remember back in the 80s, uh, certainly into the early 90s, really explicitly wanting to work out something that looks very close to integral life practice. And uh, because of my uh, own kind of nature, was highly disciplined in it, as you both uh, uh, know from conversations we've had and so on, it didn't save me from addiction. <laughs> And, and I'll, I'll, I'll share kind of my own phenomenology, my own experience with you. I'd be very interested in your feedback, John, and yours too, Doug, is that I can remember sitting and meditating uh, with a hangover. I can, I can remember sitting and meditating while I was high on drugs. I mean, just yeah. uh, uh, reading spiritual poetry, uh, reading the mystics and so on. And I'm in no way diminishing uh, integral life practice or a personal discipline at all. I think what it does is it raises for me what I needed to do is I needed to make a decision. My decision was made in the context of the 12-step process, including working the steps with the sponsor. But I needed to make a decision that was definitive. And that is, I'm going to stop using, I'm going to stop drinking. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I, this would be implied is that I can guarantee you that by the end of uh, the worst of my addiction, 
my so-called integral life practice was somewhat compromised, shall we say. <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like sure. up the mark, but I was still very committed to it. And so I think that was part of what that may have blinded me in some ways to my addiction, because after all, I was committed to developing and exercising body, mind, soul, spirit, mm -hmm. shadow, all of that. I even made my living doing it. At the same time, I was neglecting the fact of what addiction does to the brain, what addiction does to the one, and, and secondarily, what addiction does to one's moral compass, et cetera. Yeah. And it was a very gradual process. What's that image, John, of a, of a frog? If you put it in boiling water, it will leap out. But if you gradually heat it up, it just never notices it until it's... Yeah, the, the, the gradual, yeah, creep, yeah. and it, it I dies. Think that was, that was very, very much the experience for me. It was a very gradual erosion for me. It's been very humbling for me, and I really hold uh, integral life practice in terms of this multidisciplinary uh, approach to living. I hold that as, as highest value for me. In fact, you know, in the program, I have such a difficult time with uh, conventional ideas of God is that my view of, it, of, of the higher power is so informed by my view of integral life practices that they're almost coextensive for me. Yeah. And it's not without spirituality, but it's just a very different notion than a, a God up in heaven, something like that, with a, with a, a first name, Mr. <laughs> just that doesn't work for me. And so uh, I, I guess what I, if I can put it out there for a discussion point, it's just the relationship between this discipline, which is, definitely part of the cure and also that it's it's I, th I believe it's absolutely necessary but it's not sufficient wasn't sufficient for me in the midst of an addicted brain and body so i'll just right. leave it uh, wide open for you guys to dialogue into well, well yeah and first of all let me say this we this is not a cure for addiction okay i'm not exactly sure what that is but i know when you start putting all these pieces together that you'll you know just doing the the brain entrainment meditation maybe give you you know a 15 20 30 percent better chance of actually getting sober and staying sober that's huge you know if you're like you know if you're in a football game and you or your football player and you take steroids and it gives you a 30 percent advantage over your guys that are playing it clean that's you know that's the difference between a championship and making that first down or not it's a huge edge yeah. but none of this stuff is a guarantee it just, you know, if we can get this thing out in the world and start developing programs and getting millions of people doing it, my dream would be maybe our, our recovery rates would go from maybe 10% to, you know, 50 to 60% to 75. And that's a world-changing miracle. And we're still going to lose people and they're still going to die. Yeah. And But I would also say, Bob, because of your years of practice, when you finally did make that commitment, all of the discipline and everything you learned before really, uh, really prepared you. Yes. In, in a good way. It wasn't like you were starting from, from ground zero, you know, or just starting from, uh, from, from first base, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Or you, from John. home plate. No, I, I agree with you, John, is, is that that, was, uh, that had continued through my addiction. It was compromised by my addiction. I guess another piece for me um, in light of, of what happens to the brain around the dopamine system and the opioid system and stress system and so on, is that if you take away those substances, which I was using to numb out, uh, to connect to others, to just experience ecstatic abandon, all of, the, all of those reasons, if you take that out and you don't have any support outside of that, you're up a creek without a paddle. And for me, to yeah. the, in fact, it was a real compliment to my work in the 12-step program, and you implied this earlier, is that with great respect for what I did get in the 12-step program, including stopping drinking and stopping using, 
I needed a full complement of other support to build up what I had taken away because I'd become dependent on artificial versions of dopamine release, opioid release, yeah. et cetera. And that's one of the things that as you, uh, we'll talk more into this, but endorphins connected to exercise, uh, what gets released in meditation, deep meditation, et cetera, all of those things were accessible to me. And I feel very humbly grateful for them because I wasn't left starting from, from uh, square one. I really had a fair bit of momentum. And if you, it's amazing if you pull the drugs and alcohol out of that, if you get me back to my birthday brain, all of a sudden meditation start, has traction again that it had lost over the years. Same with uh, working out physically. Same with reading and memorizing poetry and so on. And so they agree with you. I do work now uh, with, with addicts in recovery uh, locally here uh, in Orange County. I work at Beginnings Treatment Center, which John is integrally informed, <laughs> integrally informed treatment center. And I can guarantee you this, when I'm working with clients that are early in recovery from uh, heroin addiction, uh, meth addiction, and so on, is that when we introduce in every meeting we have, when we introduce mindfulness meditation, is just one example, or I give them other tools, or when these guys work out, uh, they, they don't, it's not a theory for them. It makes all the difference because they've taken Absolutely. away whatever their drug is, and this is, this is their ticket to a balanced life, and it's going to take a while to develop some momentum, but uh, a, a good number of them, not all of them, but a good number of them respond so positively to these resources. And you know about them, I know about them, but these are guys that are desperate for something as some alternative to what they've been doing sometimes for 20 or 30 years, which is getting high habitually. So I, I believe in it for sure. And I like very much, John, the way that you balance it out is that there are no magic bullets in this. As, as uh, Doug was saying earlier, it's an incredibly complex phenomenon. And we'll talk more about this in terms of multiple quadrants and so on, it wouldn't make sense that there would be any single magic bullet. This is a significant piece of it, and I'm really committed to it. So anyway, thanks, John, for your response. And, and I'm all for it. I mean, if they develop the pill, you know, that will just cure the whole thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and everybody keeps looking for that, you know, and, and they, they get a pill that, that, that will stop the, you know, the opioid receptors from responding to alcohol. And so, you know, you drink and you don't get a buzz or anything. Well, you still got to take the pill. And if you're an alcoholic, go, man, this pill sucked, man. I want my buzz back. And so, you know, it's more complex than just, just doing that. And there's think so many think issues. About it, think about it, John, around depression, that in the last 20 years, you know, psychopharmacology has developed very effective medications for addressing many forms of depression. And that's not sufficient. And then if you sufficient. don't develop the rest of your life, you're still going to be impaired. And so even with a magic pill, and you know, if you talk to a biologically oriented psychiatrist, they might say, no, the pill does the trick, but research indicates that, no, if you don't have other stuff going on to address, for example, shadow material, your emotional life, your interpersonal relationships, and so on, where you live, how much you make, all that kind of thing, then really you're really hamstrung. So uh, no magic pill, even with something like depression. Yeah, no, just just challenge in a way, you know, and, and it's yeah. so sad with, you know, the, with addiction is it, it, a lot of it's the, the, the search for ecstasy release you know yeah. from What's from the pain me? the suffering the despair the disconnectedness the shyness whatever it is and you get it it really works you know and especially especially in the honeymoon phase you know it's like oh my god you take that first drink you know and so many people have told me about that you know that yeah. it was it was it was a love at first guzzle you know or a love at first snort or a love at first line it, or whatever it was for me it was for me and, and that you know and that goes along for a while and then you know it's just all good and you, you know you go hang out with your buddies on the weekend and da, 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 you party and this stuff and then it starts creeping into the workday week or when you're <laughs> at school and it gets worse and worse 
And then you start covering it up. You know, you have to hide it from everybody. That's the next phase. And then after a while, it, as this thing progresses or digresses or devolves, and, and again, addiction is a progressive disease. It doesn't start, you know, it starts as this little thing. Nobody, I've never had a kid come up to me and say, oh, John, I just want to be a heroin addict. Oh, my God, I want to be a cracker. I want to grow up. It'd be so cool. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> nobody plans that. And and then, uh, you know, then it gets worse and you start, you know, covering up and trying to lie to the people around you. And then after a while, you know, you can't cover it up anymore and you're not even trying to deny it. You're just going after that thing and the lows are getting lower and the highs are getting less and you increase the doses, you mix the drugs, you do more chaotic, dangerous things and you just end up dead or in jail or having lost everything that every relationship, every every professional intellectual, spiritual riches you ever had are gone and burn up in this insane uh, evolution, okay? And it's so sad. And the thing is, and when you get into recovery, your, your brain is so, you stop using, your brain is so deadened. I mean, you don't have the supplies of dopamine and serotonin and all these other neurochemicals, so you can feel good just doing things that make you feel good, right? Like watching the Super Bowl or playing tennis or you know, singing to your girlfriend or, I mean, all the things are having your kid, you know, get into Harvard or whatever the, the thing is, you just, oh, you're dead. So little by little, and that's why you usually need some kind of, uh, um, most people, uh, especially in, in the real depths, and there's different levels of addiction, as I was saying, they need to go to a treatment center where they can just be away from freaking drugs and alcohol for a while. And so the brain can gradually begin to rebuild itself. And then you can start beginning to experience appropriate joy and satisfaction from the things that aren't counterfeit, the, the real joys of life, whether it's spiritual practice or accomplishment or sports or music. The three of us, by the way, are musicians. I'm sure we'll get into that. And all these things that the human brain has been evolved to really appreciate. And, and, but that takes a long time. And because it takes so long, you know, a lot of people don't make it. You know, because they just, just one more drink and I can just feel okay again. Even if it's just for an hour or two, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll sell my whole life for that. And so we have to, and I think the integral practice, the, the, uh, the technology that we use to meditate, the, the exercise, the nutrition, all, and the relational stuff, all that begins to build the brain uh, uh, to a healthy level more quickly. And the brain is really forgiving. It will really respond to this, and it will get back to a heavy level and heavy uh, levels of dopamine, serotonin, and and decrease in the anxiety, cortisol, CRF stuff that are related to depression and relapse will go down really quickly. And then we build discipline, and our character comes back, and you know, with support and and mastery of practice, you know, we can get back on the road. But man, that is a that is a, a scary, courageous, heroic, you know, uh, journey. And there's all kinds of you know bears and dragons and lions, oh my, in the forest as we go on the journey that can, you know, can, can get us at any time. So we can't be just too, you know, uh, sillyly optimistic, but we have to, you know, with fear and trembling and, and support and humility and all that, you know, get on the track and stay on that path. And then, then that really begins to, to, to unfold over time and it becomes a very strong, beautiful, solid thing. But in the beginning, it's hard. Beginnings are scary. In the beginnings, you suck at whatever new skill, you know, whether it's integral practice or playing drums. I'm sure you didn't pick up your drumsticks the first time and just start, you know, throwing in the air. And, and the producer go by, sign him, you know, it took years and years. So that, that's, that's the truth. You start out, it's a very small thing. You need lots of teachers, lots of support, lots of protection from yourself and from your demons. 
And, uh, you know, they call it your, your demons. I, I went to a funeral the other day and, and died of drinking. And they talked about uh, his church. They talked about his demons. And for those of us who've experienced uh, addiction, it really, really is like a demon. Yeah. You have this crazy voice that keeps on trying to convince you that you should kill yourself. You know, insane. So anyway, uh, I'm not even sure what I was riffing on, but John, I think that's Doug, a, you want to follow that. Yeah, I just think this would be a, a good time to mention that because it is so scary in the beginning, especially because there are so many things going on and this is all new. It is really helpful to have the support that you mentioned. That's that's one of the important aspects. That's a integral theory and the aqua map and and integral recovery as such covers. But um, I would suggest that in addition to having a really good relationship with, with your local community, whether that's a recovery group or a meditation group or whatever it is that you're involved in there, that you also join the integral recovery community online so that you can really be involved and help share that journey and, and fight those demons with the help of other people who are here in the trenches and doing it with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and anybody who shows up right now is a pioneer, you know, so... Uh, not only will you, you're part of the group, but you, you're, you're helping us evolve it and understand it and deepen it. Uh, and everything, everybody's experience and everybody, you know, the gifts they bring are, are, are part of it. Okay. This is, uh, you know, it's a pretty democratic deal here. Uh, so democratic in the sense that we're all, you know, we're all fellow practitioners and yeah, some people have, uh, you know, are a little more advanced and been on the path longer. And obviously they're going to have a little more experience to share with others, but you know, we're all in this. We're all in this together. So, and I love that. I love that uh, that AA has really developed that kind of you know. Uh, I mean, there's there's just so much goodness in AA, and there's stuff that's really outdated needs to be updated too. Like like any organization made of human beings, you know, we're all going to have our issues. But uh, I, when I started this thing, I said, should I do this like inside of AA? And I went, nah. It'd be kind of like going to the Vatican, going, hey guys, this really great new version of Catholicism. I figured it out, you know, there's a bunch of crap over here. And this is some really good stuff you're building on here. <laughs> I can see the, the, the guards in the fancy, you know, uniform. <laughs> so anyway, so it's kind of developed outside of, outside of AA. And a lot of people that have approached me over the years are people who have tried uh, traditional methods of recovery and with some success or maybe not, but it's not really working for them anymore. So a lot of people that come to this are looking, you know, for just something a little different. And, uh, you know, in, in Ken's work, he talks about transcending and including, and we certainly, you know, we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And when I'm, and I've worked for years with people, you know, online coaching and whatnot, and I, if they can handle it, I've always recommended they go to AA meetings. There's, there's a lot of really goodness and stuff there. And if they can't handle it, well, then you can't handle it. Doesn't mean you have to die in the gutter because you can't handle AA, but if you can, there's, 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 there's great, there's great stuff there. And you don't go to AA expecting, you know, what it's not. You go to AA in humility and blessing it for what it is. But, um, yeah, so, all right, gentlemen. So what, what do you say we, uh, we wrap this for our first uh, podcast? And I hope this has been compelling. And we're going to do some of these things that are going to be live so people can, you know, ask questions and dialogue with us. Also, you'll see the email there if you have any questions that you want us to answer or look into. I don't know if we can answer them all, but we'll definitely, you know, struggle with them along with you. If we can answer them, uh, please send them in and, you know, be part of this and let, let your friends and, and people know about this. And, and the one last thing that 
that we were kind of uh, doing inquiry into uh, when we talked about doing this is like, who is this for? You know, who is integral? Who is this podcast for? Well, in the uh, in the first paragraph of my book, I said it's for anybody who has ever had a any kind of relationship with addiction, whether it's personal, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's your teacher and you see your students are getting under this, whether you're a policeman or a lawyer or a judge or a healthcare professional, uh, the other incredible, mind-blowing uh, miracle or, or not a, it's not a miracle, miracle usually um, and for something good, what's the opposite? Something that's really bad, miraculously awful, is that this has not been addressed in medical school. And most of us, I mean, how much did you learn about addiction when you were getting your uh, PhD in psychology? I had uh, one lecture. Uh, had one yeah. lecture. <laughs> one lecture. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall. I don't recall any. And I was in a pretty progressive school, uh, you know. And so, and and as as I've lectured you know, about this uh, internationally in the States uh, over the last decade or so, I, I have doctors that come up to me and just, I mean, one specific incident, this brilliant young uh, Swedish doctor came up, 15, 20 years younger than me, he's, you know, he's been a doctor for five years. He says, you know, I'm a doctor and I had to learn about addiction from you. That is so wrong. And I went, it is so wrong. You know, you're absolutely right. Why does this, you know, outsider, you know, who's not a doctor or physician have to come up with this thing? It's because is because the medical profession has just ignored it. And maybe it's a little better now. And I keep hoping and I keep some, there's some signs that may be shifting a little bit, but not nearly enough because it's our number one healthcare issue in the United States, if not the world. And what the hell's going on here? And uh, it, it will get into it later, but it is a brain disease. It is an actual physical disease. We know the, we know the, um, we know the organ, we know the defect, we know the symptoms. It qualifies in, in Western scientific methodology as a disease. And that's why with Obamacare recently, they said that the insurance companies could not deny treatment because healthcare, uh, health insurance, it is a disease, deal with it. And uh, now whether that's all going to be, you know, with our, our brave new world that's, that's been happening here, that's all going to go away, I don't know. But it was a real positive uh, yeah step in the right direction, acknowledging this. And uh, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, anyway, so, so, yeah, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit us on iTunes and hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday. While you're there, you can help others share the journey and the joy of integral recovery by leaving your five-star rating and a quick review. We're grateful for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast.